I began last week talking to you on this subject of blessed to be a blessing. Last week we talked about that the greatest blessing that each and every one of us have received is the blessing of salvation. And so we're going to continue in that mode today. So would you take your Bibles and go to the book of Mark chapter 4. And as you're doing that, let me say hello to the campuses that are joining with us today. My name is Eddie Couples. I'm the lead pastor for Love and Truth Ministries. And I'm glad today that you have joined us in one of our locations. We're thankful for what God is doing every place that Love and Truth gathers together. We know that God is moving on our behalf all throughout this area, and we believe for great things. So let's get ready to receive what God wants to say to us today. The book of Mark, the, the fourth chapter, beginning in the third verse, and I'm going to read several verses to you today. Uh, and I'm reading out of the New International Version, so it may read a little differently than what you're reading. But here's what it says. It starts off, and it, then there's this one word with an exclamation point, and here's what it says. It says, listen. Now, Jesus is trying to get everybody's attention. Jesus is saying, wake up, everybody. Listen, because I'm going to tell you something that's very vital and very important. Listen, a farmer went out to sow his seed, and as he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path. And the birds came and ate it up. Some fell on rocky places where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly quickly because the soil was shallow. But when the sun came up, the plants were scorched, and they withered because they had no root. Other seed fell among thorns, which grew up, choked the plant, so that they did not bear grain. But still other fell on good soil. It came up, it grew, and produced a crop multiplying 30, 60, or even a hundred times. And then Jesus said, He who has ears to hear, let him hear. How many of you have ears to hear? Let us hear today. And then verse 14, Jesus kind of explaining it to them, said the farmer sows the Word. In other words, the farmer goes forth and sows the Word of God. So here's what I'm going to talk about today. I want to talk about sowing seed. If I'm blessed to be a blessing, then I need to learn how to sow seed. Now, let me say this to you. Relax. I'm not talking about money. All right? But I am going to talk about what God's called us to sow as believers. Here's what I want to tell you. Our society has convinced us that our happiness, our values, and even our self-worth is wrapped up in everything that we get. But Jesus said... Here's how you get to that place of joy and happiness. He says it is more blessed to give than it is to receive. He said if you really want to be at that place where you are living a blessed life, then you've got to be a person who understands that it is more blessed to give. It's more fun to give. It's more enjoyable to give than it is to receive. Now, that goes against the grain of everything we're taught. I mean, in our nation, in our world, in our society, we are all taught and we have all bought into the idea that if we can just get the right car, if we can just live in the right house, if we can just go to the right school, if we can just marry the right person, some of us continue to try that one. It, I said I wasn't going to meddle today. You know, if, if we can just, if we can just, if we can just, and the problem is, is that your wants will never be satisfied. You're always, and so we, we've got this idea, well, if, if I can ever get to this place, then I'll really be blessed, and then in turn, I'll be a blessing. But I want to tell you today, you are a blessed person. 
In fact, would you do me a favor? Would you just look at your neighbor and say, you're blessed? Come on, tell them. Tell them, you're, you're blessed. Now, now, people, a lot of times we, we really don't believe that. But I, I want to share with you. Some of you have probably seen this. I'm going to read something I don't normally read very much during a sermon. Uh, but some of you have seen this uh, little thing that where they take the population of the world, the 7 billion people on planet Earth, and they shrink down the statistics to a village of 100. And, and I want to read this to you. I want to show you how, as, as Westerners and as Americans, how really blessed you are. Here's what it says. If we could reduce the world's population to a village of precisely 100 people, with all existing human ratios remaining the same, the demographics would look something like this. The village would have 61 Asians, 13 Africans, 12 Europeans, 19 Latin Americans, and 5 North Americans. Hmm. 50 would be male and 50 would be female. 75 of them would be non-white, 25 would be white. 67 of them would be non-Christians. 33 would be Christians. Now, I want you to get the rest of this. 80 of those people would live in substandard housing. 16 would be unable to read or write. 50 would be malnourished and one would be dying of starvation. 33 would be without access to a safe water supply. 39 would lack access to improved sanitation. In other words, outhouse. 24 would not have any electricity. And the 76 that do have electricity, most of them only use it at night for light. Eight people would have access. Get this, only eight people would have access to the Internet. One out of this whole entire village of a hundred, one would have a college education. Are you getting it yet? One would have HIV. Two would be ready to give birth. One would be ready to die. Five, now this is the one you need to understand. Five people in this village would control 32% of the wealth of the entire world and all five of them would be from North America. 48 would live on less than $2 a day. 20 of them would live on less than $1 a day. Now, if you don't think you're blessed, you didn't just listen. We're blessed. And if I'm blessed, there's a purpose in my blessing, and that is not just so I can have more because I already have more than most of the rest of the world has. I'm going to say this, and I don't mean to be offensive, but it's true. Even our poor people are rich compared to the rest of the world. And yet, we, we spend so much time, and even in the church, we've got this consumer mentality. I mean, how many times have we talked about finances, but what we spend our time talking about is if you give, God will give back. If you get saved, God will do this. If you'll do this, God will... Listen, we have to understand that the kingdom operates on a different perspective. Here's what the kingdom operates on. God so loved the world that He gave. 
You and I are called to be Christians, and so therefore we are called day in and day out to be givers. We are called to be people who are releasing blessings into the life of other people. And yet if we're not careful, we, we gain this consumer mentality. We get this idea that it's, it's what I can get out of it, it's what I can receive, instead of understanding that God has given me blessing in my life so that I can sow seed and be a blessing in somebody else's life. Now understand this, the power is always in the seed. In fact, the, the Old Testament says, as long as the earth remains, there will be seed time and harvest. Now, I get in trouble when I say this, and I understand there's seed time and there's harvest time. I understand that. But there's also the aspect of seed, and then there's time, and then there's harvest. That's how God operates. But the potential and the power is always in the seed. Now, if the greatest blessing that I have ever received or can ever receive is the blessing of salvation, then the greatest seed that I can sow is the seed of the Word of God. And so God has called us. God has given us the authority and also the mandate to go out into all the world and proclaim the gospel. Jesus said it this way. Jesus gathered the disciples together on the Mount of, Trans or on the Mount of Ascension, and as they are there, before he leaves, he says, here's what I want you to do. He said, go back and wait in Jerusalem until you are endued with power. Now, for those of us who come from some type of a spirit-filled, full gospel background, we love to talk about, man, wait until you get the Holy Spirit. Wait until the power of God comes. Wait until, and, and we love to talk about that, and I'm all for that. But watch why you receive the power so that you can be witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the other most parts of the earth. The power of the Holy Spirit that is given to the believer is not so that you can have an ecstatic experience. Now, ecstatic experiences may happen, but the reason that you are given, read it, the reason you are given the power of the Holy Spirit is so that Jesus said you can go forth in your home area, in your surrounding area, and even to the entirety of the world making disciples. That is the seed that we ought to be sowing. And yet, watch this, I find so often that it's all about what we want. If we can just have another kind of service, if we can just have another explosion, if we can just have another whatever, instead of understanding that the purpose of Jesus Christ coming to this earth was not so I could have an experience, but so that others could experience who he is. That's what it's about. And so we've been called a soul seed. And so how do we go about, as, as you look in this passage, as I read to you today, how do you go about sowing seed? Now, if, if I'm going to be a blessing and if I'm going to sow seed, this whole story here tells me something. Jesus starts off saying, listen, get, get, I want you to understand. I want you to, to acknowledge that I'm going to talk to you and I'm going to share something with you that's important. And then he begins the story of how the, the farmer goes out to sow seed. And as he's sowing seed, some falls on the path, some falls on stony ground, some falls on thorny ground, and then some finds good ground. Now, here's what we have to understand. I'm going to give you four things today as a sower, as one who is a believer today, that you and I need to get a hold of. Number one is this, is that we must have a passion for souls. 
Souls, listen to me, souls have to become the priority of everything that a church does. You, you know what, can I say this to you without being too offensive? I hope I'm not, but just hear me. If Jesus in person were in Jackson today, I don't think he would be at anybody's church. That's not an indictment against churches. That's just saying Jesus came for the... Here's what Jesus said. They came to him one day, and they said, you're hanging out with the wrong kind of people. You're hanging out with sinners. You're hanging out with tax collectors. You're hanging out with all these people. And Jesus looked at them. Now, these were religious people. These were good Sabbath-worshiping people. These were people who paid their tithes. These were people who knew what kind of clothes to wear and when to wash their hands and all the stuff. And Jesus looked at them. And you know what Jesus said to them? He said, the, the well person does not need a doctor. He said, I didn't come to those who had it all together. He said, I came to those who were hurting. I came to those who were struggling. Now, you know what? I want to tell you something. A lot of times we think that that means, well, just the down and out and the downtrodden. Listen, you can have everything in life that looks good. You can live in the nicest neighborhood. You can drive one of the best cars out there. You can have the greatest education and have a wonderful profession and even look at your family and it can be wonderful. And I thank God for that. That's great. But if you don't have Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, I promise you there's major dysfunction there. And that's what Jesus came to say. Jesus said, look, it doesn't matter if, if you're the down and out or you're the up and out. You're still out. It, it doesn't matter if you've got it all together and, and everybody on the outside looks at you and goes, man, if I could be like them. Or if you're in one of those places that you're just struggling and everybody looks at you and says, man, I'm glad I'm not them. Whichever end of the spectrum or somewhere in the continuum that you find yourself there, you, you've got to understand that the only thing that really makes a difference is Jesus Christ. Now, once you have experienced that, then you have to consistently have the eyes of Jesus. Jesus' eyes were always on the harvest. Listen, Jesus... Can y'all tell I've been watching Charles Stanley lately? Did y'all catch that? I caught it right then. Listen. That's what Charles always said. Listen, listen. I've been trained well. Listen. In our lives, we have been given this great gift of salvation. But it's not enough just for me to have this great gift of salvation and to go on and just continue to live my life the way that I want to. I have been given this great gift of salvation so that I can in turn be a blessing to somebody, so that I can have an eye for the harvest. Jesus was always looking at the harvest. Jesus was always finding those who were struggling, those whose lives were not in the best place. Jesus was always seeking them out. Jesus was always going outside of the norm to touch people. You and I have got to come to that place where it's not about religiosity. It's not about what we desire. It's not about looking right and doing right. It's about being out there and touching those that Jesus Christ came to this earth to save. So I've got to have eyes for the harvest. I've got to be looking. Where's the harvest? And so the sower goes forth. He's got the seed. 
and he sows the harvest. The second thing that you've got to understand is, is that you've got to sow everywhere. Isn't it interesting how we get choosy on where we sow? Well, I'm looking for the right person. I'm looking for the right situation. I'm look no, again, read the story there. The story is, is the guy goes out, he's got all of his seed, and he just starts throwing it. Because his deal is something's gonna come up somewhere. Right? I, I mean, think about what would happen if everywhere you went, you were sowing seed. Now, I'm not, I listen, I'm not talking about uh have any, let, me, let me ask this question. Have any of you ever seen somebody coming at you with that look in their eye and a tract in their hand and you went the other way? No, come on. Am I the only one? I, I mean, they, they showed up. How many of you remember back in the day? I, I remember in our home growing up that, that we had this, this uh, family Bible. Anybody else remember? Ours was white. There were white ones or black ones or red ones. How many of you had a family Bible? I mean, y'all are holy. That proves you are holy. All right. Now, I don't know anybody ever read it. I don't remember ever seeing anybody pick the Bible up on the... Now, we've picked up other Bibles in my home, but I don't remember ever picking that one up. That, basically, that one was to press flowers in. Come on, right? Am I right? And, and, and you probably bought it from some salesman that was going door-to-door selling them back in the day or to stick somebody's photograph in that you were afraid you were going to lose and, you know, 50 years later they find grandma's picture in there. But, but I'm not talking about, you know, walking around with this big old Bible under your arm and spouting out whatever. What I'm talking about is this. Do you understand that people were drawn to Jesus? People loved to hang out with you. Irreligious people wanted to hang out with Jesus. Now, religious people were rebuffed by him. But people on a journey, people who hadn't quite made it yet, they loved to hang out with Jesus. That's what I'm talking about in sowing seed. What would happen to us? Not that we walk in, uh, you know, with a shirt full of, of tracks and we start handing them out to everybody we see or, or, you know, we take out the Bible and start telling them how bad they are and where they're going. Do you know why? Most people already know where they're going. I'm, I mean, when, when I'm in sin, you don't have to tell me I'm in sin. I know. You, you don't have to say, you're going to hell. Got it. <laughs> Understand, man. You're not telling me nothing. Right? What they need at that point is somebody to come into their life and share the love of Jesus Christ. Now, that's, that's done in myriads of ways. That may be done in a word. That may be done in a deed. That may be done uh, just with a smile. But, but everywhere we go, we're sowing seed. And here's the great part of that, is that you're sowing on different ground. And you never know what you think might be the ground that is so hard and so dry and so messed up might be the ground that the Holy Spirit has been working on. But if you're not careful, you'll miss it because you'll say, well, I'm, I'm waiting for the right person. Now, I love it as people say, well, you know, I, I'm, I'm waiting for the Holy Spirit to speak to me and tell me who to witness to. He has. He has. I just quoted it to you out of the book of Acts. Go into all the world and make disciples. You, you, you don't need a cloud. 
You don't need a voice thundering from heaven. You don't need an angel to show up in your bedroom and say, Yea, I would say unto thee, my son, my daughter, arise. Go down the road. Knock on the door. You don't need that. You already have, watch what the scripture says, you already have a more sure word than even if an angel shows up. And that word is, everywhere you go, you're to be sowing seed. You're to be just scattered. You, you don't, I'm scattering seed. I'm doing what God's called me to do. The third thing, and this is the one that I think that so many of us miss. The third thing is, is that we've got to understand our role. What is my role in this whole thing? You say, what do you mean? Well, a lot of us think that our role is to make sure that the, that the seed is growing, but that's not your role. The only thing that you're called to do is to sow seed. Now, let me help you. You can't make the seed grow anyway. The only thing that you can do is sow the seed. We, we, some of you, are, I'm, I'm getting a look from some of you, so I'll just look right here. <laughs> I, I'll give you scripture for it. The guy who wrote two-thirds of the New Testament, the man we refer to as the Apostle Paul, said this. One sows, one waters, but God gives the increase. It's not my responsibility once the seed has been sown. And I'm going to say something, and some of you may take a little offense, and I don't mean for you to, but, but I want you to hear me. When I get done on a Sunday, when I am done preaching on a Sunday, and I walk out of this building, hang on, I don't worry about what you do with the seed all week long. It's not my responsibility. I used to until I found out better. I used to look at people's lives and say, oh, I don't know what to do. Jesus, it's not my responsibility. Once I release the seed, it's up to the ground and up to the Lord what happens with it. You know what? If we would learn that, we would be more joyful in sowing seed. Our problem is, is that we have mistaken our job. We sowed seed in somebody's life. They didn't get saved. It didn't happen. They came to church for a week. They came to church for a few months. They got baptized, and then they went back out in the world. We went, see, it doesn't work. I'm never going to do that again. That's not my responsibility. The responsibility is so it. If it falls on stony ground, that's what's going to happen. If it falls on thorny ground, that's what has happened. But some of it. See, it, it's the law of, of return. If I get enough out there, somebody's going to find it, and somebody's going to get saved, and somebody's life is going to be changed for eternity. But my responsibility is not to see it grow, not to make it happen. It's not up to me to make it happen. It's up to God. And so I, I, I can live a freer life. Some, some of you are, are saying, I can't believe Pastor said he didn't think about me all week long. That's not what I said. I didn't say that. I said, I don't fret whether or not 
you're allowing the seed to produce what it needs to produce in your life because that's not my responsibility. Can I give you the fourth one? The fourth thing that we've got to do, and I think this is the one, again, that sometimes we miss, is that we've got to be willing to gather the harvest when the harvest is ripe. I mean, how, how foolish would a farmer be? I'm not a farmer, never have been. Don't even like gardens. I figure if I want fresh vegetables, Kroger ought to have it. All right, that's my philosophy right there. Um, but but what, I've, what I've found and what would be so ludicrous would be for a, a farmer or a gardener to go out and sow all this seed and then at harvest time, two or three months down the road, at harvest time, the harvest is there, and they just drive by and go, whoa, isn't that a great harvest? That's just wonderful. Look at, look at that field. Look at all that corn. Yeah, well, what are you going to do? Somebody's got to go out there with a combine or something and reap it. This past summer most of you know we had a had a drought throughout the southeast and across the u.s and, and i i remember driving by looked like hundreds and possibly even thousands of acres of corn where the corn started up and all of a sudden because of the drought it never never produced anything and then i was going by a, a few weeks later in the same area and I saw these big old tractors out there just plowing everything under. And I thought, man, why are they doing that? But they're doing that because there was no harvest. The problem would be, though, is if the corn had grown right and there was, there was corn on the stalk, how ridiculous would it be for that farmer to plow that back under? And yet, that's what happens in the kingdom a lot of times. Is God's doing a work in somebody's life, and we know He's doing a work, but instead of us getting involved in the process of reaping and bringing people on into everything that God has for them, we ignore it. We're afraid that maybe we're going to be misunderstood. We're, we're afraid we're going to be called, you know, you know whatever, and, and we get all these thoughts instead of understanding that it's not my responsibility to make it grow, but it is my responsibility to help bring in the harvest. And so when I'm, I'm around somebody and, and I'm seeing God do a work in their life, maybe, maybe it's somebody you work with and, and you know, their, their mouth has been just so foul for so many years, but all of a sudden you start seeing them going, oh, I shouldn't have said that, or, 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 or they're, they're not swearing, you know, but every other word, whether it used to be every word. And, you know, and instead of saying, I can't get close to them, they, you know, they might say some words I don't know. What about helping the process of harvesting? See, it's needful for all of us to understand that we've been blessed to be a blessing. A few weeks ago, I had a lady came in on a Sunday, or excuse me, on a Wednesday, and she said, Pastor, I've been talking to somebody, and said, they say they're an atheist, but they're coming to church Sunday. I said, great. So the following Sunday, she came in, and she said, Pastor, they're here today. I said, great. Saw her a little bit later that week, and she said, you won't believe. She said, the, the guy started talking to me, and he's got all kind of issues in his life, and there's all kind of struggles going on, but said, 
said, he said, you know what? That's the first time I've ever gone to a church where I understood what was going on. Now, here's the deal. They were staying at a place where there were several other people who knew the situation. When they got back a few Sundays ago, everybody there was waiting to see what this one guy was going to say. The following week, in this house, the woman came up to me and said, Today, there's 16 people who are here, not because of me, but because of the guy that I brought to church. Now, that's pretty good return on figuring out that there's somebody who even they may be saying one thing, but you can tell that they're not far from God. And to draw them into the kingdom. Listen, most of us here today are going to heaven. We're saved. We know Jesus Christ. But that's not enough. It's not enough just to be blessed of God. I've got to come to that place where my life is being a blessing because I've been blessed. My life is making a difference because Jesus Christ has made a difference in me. And so I look at my life and say, day in and day out, Lord, I thank you for your blessings. I'll close with this. We used to sing an old song that said, count your blessings, name them, what? One by one, count your many blessings, see what God has done. Now, you know what? That's what we need to be doing. Every one of us have been blessed of God. Whether you are in a relationship with Jesus today, you're still blessed. For those of you who have that relationship, you're blessed for a purpose, and that is to be a blessing, to sow seed into someone else's life.